0: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now. Leave a message. They will return your call at 905 529 7165. Also, take a peek at the website at andyanddon.com. You can find some information there, including old archive shows. As well, you can ask a question there via the listener inquiry button. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to Good see you. Morning, Good morning, Scott. Scott. What'd you do with that extra hour of sleep today? <laughs> oh. Eight o'clock starts. <laughs> Still from catching the show. up from a week's holiday. <laughs> That's right. Andy was in here early. You should have saw him. <laughs> Uh, of course, the show now continuing every Saturday from eight until nine o'clock. That's eight until nine o'clock. All right, uh, vacation planning, uh, vaca- vacation financial planning. Even when you are on holidays, occupational you can't get a- hazards. You
1: can't get away from no. it. Twenty four seven. twenty four seven. You never stop. Working. Andy
0: goes on a vacation, and everybody starts asking him for financial <laughs> advice.
1: Well, it's
2: it's actually this is a, it's a true story. It's funny. It's funny how it happened because I was away in the uh, Dominican last week, and uh, and and so inevitably you know as people will ask well what do you do what do you do and uh I walked into the men's washroom. No, and some guy asked me. He said, "Well, are you retired?" Yeah, and he's asked me this question, and I'm, I'm no. Uh, uh, I'm not retired yet. Now, did you take offense
0: yet. to that because you're so young? And I did take all-
2: offense to that. <laughs> I did take offense to that. I literally did. I and I kind of was humming high. I said, well, you know, I'm maybe five years, or you know, I was just sort of cushioning it. And he said, "Well, you gotta go sooner rather than later."
1: Really? <laughs> and
2: this was his discussion. Wow! So we carried on the conversation as we headed back to the pool, our pool chairs. And <laughs> we spent the next uh, half hour talking about his retirement situation. And mm. uh, and at some point early on in the conversation, I said, well, just a second here. I have to tell you, this is my business. I've yeah. been living this for 33 years I'm with Investors Group and in Financial he Planning. He was a Canadian from Toronto. Yeah. Oh, great. So as well, they call it the Punta Canada not Punta <laughs>
0: Canada
2: <laughs> yeah. as i learned as well so oh,
1: because so many people from Canada were so there so many people from ah, Canada gotcha. were
2: there everybody was from Canada and uh, <clears throat> so anyway this was this gentleman and his name was Jesse We'll change his name just in case he's mm. listening somehow. But uh, he was 64 years old, and and he told me that uh, he 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 was a TTC subway driver. Oh, cool! And uh, so, in just a little bit of history, so his wife had never worked. It was, he was the the sole uh, the sole breadwinner, and uh, he retired about a year ago at age 64, and uh, he's now just coming up to 65, and. Uh, so, and he was telling me how with his pension now and his bridges, just he, he retired early, so he gets a bridge to his age 65, right, right. which is a supplement mm-hmm. to his regular pension and that'll drop off at age 65, uh, that, that the Harper government was, did a fantastic thing years ago when they introduced income splitting mm. because now mm. with his income yeah, perfect. and I'll run through some of the numbers and it's about 90,000 a year, he can pay his wife Gets forty five thousand. He gets forty five thousand. They've got all kinds of income available to do the things they want to do. I don't know why he didn't do it sooner. He's telling me I should retire, and I said, "Well, as I said, I've been thinking about it." Yeah. And I said, "Yeah, you know what? Because in my job, I I always take it home with me at night, and you know, so it's one of the hazards yeah. because." you know, we're always thinking about people's situations. And then certainly when stock markets, there's volatility. We get uh, added uh, additional stress from uh, clients as they begin to worry or fret about their finances. Are mm-hmm. they going to be okay? And I said, you probably don't have that worry as much. you probably just leave work. And he said, well, that's true. Except every once in a while I have had someone jump in front of my train yeah. and that's not a good day. Yeah, and I thought, goodness. wow, well that's a different wow. perspective yeah. altogether. Oh boy, is it? <clears throat> but, um, so as we started to think about the uh the numbers and he was describing a few more items and you know and he, he he uh, he said he was unsure about retiring because he didn't want to lose that paycheck, mm-hmm. right? That was coming in regularly. And he was unsure about, you know, benefits. He was going to, will I lose my dental benefits, my health benefits, medical plan, et cetera. And basically what it came down to was he really wasn't confident, you know, in terms of what it was going to cost him to live and would he, would he have enough. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it just came back and it hit home with me, the whole concept of, um, you know, creating a confident retirement and what we do day in and day out is trying to help people get confident about their retirement. But you've
0: talked many times about people who are on the edge like that, and they're just so scared to make the jump. There's a guy that did and happy, you know, with the results. He wished he'd 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 done it
2: sooner. (laughs) This is the whole thing. He's 64. 64. And, uh, so he's only been, I i think about a year now. So, um. But it really comes down to, and one of the key tools that we use is the cash flow analysis Mm -hmm. and understanding how much is somebody actually spending. And as you get closer and closer to that time of retirement, you get a better and better handle in terms of what your fixed costs are and what your sort of lifestyle or fun costs are going to be as well, Mm -hmm. including travel to the Dominican possibly. And um but, you know, he was, he was very excited about income splitting and how that had really made a difference in terms of his tax situation. And, uh, and he said, even my wife who never worked, but of course she did work. Cause as he said, you know, working at home, yeah. raised, raised three children. Yeah. Uh, was a full time job, and uh, he said I was surprised that even Canada Pension Plan recognized that because it was sort of in in a regular uh, one after another sort mm. of situation that she actually gets one hundred and fifty dollars a month Canada Pension Plan mm. now too, which she has taken. <clears throat> so they, um, I said, well, are you splitting your Canada Pension Plan? And he said, no, I, I, I'm I, split. Yeah, we're splitting our pensions. And I said, no, but are you splitting your Canada pension plan? And he goes, well, I... I thought we do every year. When we, yeah. we when we file the tax return, and I said, "No, that is one that you do not get to split on your tax return. You must split it when you apply for it." Mm. So then you know, I was thinking about this, and I woke up early this morning when I got back from holiday. And
0: <laughs> I thought see, that <laughs> says right there, Andy, you ain't ready to retire. <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I thought, what the heck? Could what, what would be the difference for Jesse if he had uh, if he had done the splitting of his Canada pension plan with his wife? Mm. So let's look at some of the numbers. Basically, right now in 2018, his pension is about 68 thousand a year, mm-hmm. and his uh, bridge benefit is about 10 thousand a year, and he was getting his Canada pension plans a thousand a month, so that's 12 thousand a year. So he had 90 thousand of income. Wow! And her income was uh, 1,800 bucks of Canada pension plan, Mm -hmm. 150 a month. So when we look at their splitting opportunities, what they can split for Canada pension, or sorry, what they can split for tax purposes, his pension of 68,000, yep, that can be split. So that's 34,000 each. His bridge benefit of 10,000 also counts. So that's another 5,000 each that they can split. Uh, And then the 12,000 of Canada pension plan uh-uh, not split. Yeah. So that goes on his side of the ledger and her 1800 goes on her side of the ledger. So I looked at the tax implications of that. And for 2018, they will end up paying $14,676 of tax between the two of them. His will be about 8600 and hers will be about 6000 Now, if they had split their Canada pension plan right from the get-go, then they each would have paid seven thousand and eighty-four dollars, a total of fourteen thousand one sixty-eight. So they could have saved five hundred and ten dollars this year in income tax. Mm. And and this was an interesting period because there's a transition because next year, um, his bridge benefit will drop mm-hmm. off, so his income is going to drop by ten thousand. So what would next year look like as well? Well, <clears throat> with, with after the split, the tax implications for him. So now. Uh, he's getting old age security mm-hmm. that kicks in for both of them. Right. Uh, and that's the same number for mm-hmm. each of them. So basically it's like a split pension. Uh, but next year they're going to, they're going to pay $13,351 a year, but if they had split their Canada pension plan only 13,000, so a, a savings of about $351 a year. So I thought to myself, Jesse, listen, you could have saved 500 bucks in 2018 yeah. plus 350 bucks each year from now on with splitting Canada pension plan, there's like whole nother Dominican holiday within (laughs) five years here, (laughs) or an extra couple of weeks there anyway. And, um, so it it really comes down to, again, there are so many little opportunities that you're not always aware of and having that concrete plan makes a difference. Um, and you know, and I also, when I go on holidays like this, I'm always curious about what are, what are the implications or what are the financial planning strategies that exist in the countries that I visit? Oh. And so one of the things that I look at is, uh, for example, minimum wage. Mm. And what would you guess is the minimum wage in hourly? And I'll just use this in uh, it's in US dollars as I did my research, but, uh, what do you think the hourly minimum wage is in the Dominican Republic? I
0: would have no idea. Three dollars. I would, yeah, I'd say between three and five.
2: 50 cents, <laughs> Whew. Yeah. 50 cents. The average, uh, the average, uh, Dominican would earn about 1500 US dollars a year, mm. uh, about 125 US dollars a month is the minimum wage so I was thinking as I was giving a dollar bill tip Mm. you know that's like uh that's two hours of labor for the average person which is a huge significant amount and uh I mean it doesn't take much from our perspective to do that but in terms of their perspective it can Mm. double or triple their income overnight Mm -hmm. just by being able to uh to get tips from time to time and also
0: showing you the the emphasis on tourism to places like this and how valuable it is
2: huge impact on tourism and and uh, so anyway, but just, you know, coming back to the concept of retirement, um, the, the idea, when can we retire and when can we be confident about retirement is such an important thing because as I say, you know what, too many times people either put it off too long, they mm-hmm. don't have enough time or then um, they're just thinking about, I'm worried about a whole bunch of factors in this yeah. process. So it is, it is a key thing.
1: So yeah. vacation from your vacation coming in? <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> well, funny enough, Andy also had an income splitting situation last week with a client, and these, mm-hmm. these are clients we have talked about splitting Canada pension plan, but they're sixty three and they're going to wait till sixty five to start collecting. Mm-hmm. So you, they both have to be collecting before you can split the Canada pension plan. But I, they did look at I did look at their tax return, and he's been retired for just uh, two years now, and uh, his income, is uh, <coughs> total income was eighty three thousand dollars in 2016 um, versus, and his wife's income was about 6,000. So I thought, okay, well, there must have been income splitting because they did income split in 2015. Mm-hmm. For some reason, whoever did the tax return did not split the income in 2016. And here's a perfect example of somebody that needs, when you when you are seeing your financial planner, bring your tax returns mm-hmm. because without that, you know, it's it's very difficult for us to do our job without the data. So bring your tax returns. And in this case, he brought the notice of assessments, which wasn't, was enough, but I, it got me a feel for it, but not enough. I really wanted to see the tax returns. So anyway, they got home, checked again, and yes, they were not split. I worked it out that had they split it, it would have saved them about $4,500 in income tax wow, in exactly. one year. Yeah, yep. And here's a person that did everything right, but just put the trust in whoever the tax preparer was to simply split the income mm-hmm. so i kind of like buyer beware when you when you give this information you know it it's not never a bad idea to have a second set of eyes look mm-hmm. at this and you know I are trained to look and we just see tax returns every day every single point when we're looking at tax returns and notice of assessments to see if there's anywhere that you could save a little bit of income tax and this one has a blatant miss because actually the software actually even says before you hit the send or print button it says you can split your, pen pen, your your pensions would you like to and you say yes it makes that determination it, it actually for asks you for yeah, that yeah. or there's also what's it called a pension optimization button and again is that an accounting error then it was an accounting error in this case yeah okay so uh and, you know, probably over an oversight, All right. but a $4,400 or $4,500 oversight. So, again, splitting, yeah, I agree with the, your uh, your new friend in uh, Puta, Canada, because uh, income splitting makes a massive difference. We are planning your
0: financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc., 905-529-7165. Leave a message, they will return your call. We are coming back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson, Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now, leave a message, they will return your call at 905-529-7165 and take a peek at the website andyanddon.com, that's andyanddon.com. All right, uh, equality and no, what am I talking about this hour? Budget. Budget. Yes. Equality wow. and growth. The equality
2: it, and growth budget.
0: There seemed to be more uh, of a feeling than there was policy with this budget.
2: Yeah. I missed it all, but I'm reading about it. Yes, you didn't it. must much. You're put no, you, together.
1: <laughs> uh, it wouldn't take long to read it. Uh. <laughs> yeah. and you're absolutely you right, could have read it with your buddy, Jesse. That's right. <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually thought it should have been called spend more than you make, regardless uh, of good times. Yeah. Because there is no right, there's no being in the plus this red ink for the foreseeable the future. The gas pedal mm. is at the yeah. floor. It, is, it doesn't matter.
0: We <laughs> well, I found it interesting because, sorry to interrupt, but uh, last week uh, Global Ipsos News did a poll, and this was this is provincial, not federal, but they were asking what was important to Ontarians heading into the next election, and it was health care, jobs in the economy, uh, lower taxes, lower energy costs, your kids' education, and you don't get any of that feeling None. from any of this whatsoever. No. There is, it's just uh, like a different set of priorities. It's yeah, about it's, feeling good. Yeah, it's, uh, and I'm not quite sure who's feeling good. And well, apparently the women are. Yeah. Apparently, uh, this is a budget
1: for women. I don't know what that I, means. I think they're too smart to. I think they can see through this. To fall for it. Because my wife's looked at this. Is there's nothing in this? Yeah. You know, and uh, at the end of the day. Um, if they have more money in their pocket, they will be happy too. Yeah, men and women yeah. like money regardless. Okay, yeah, good point. And uh, it, I don't believe this is a, a, a sexist remark to say, yeah, it's uh, if what's good for one is good for the other, and yeah. vice versa, in terms of having having uh, lower taxes, um, having you know balanced budgets seem to be not even in the the realm of thinking. Low interest rates. You don't need to do that, Don. <sighs> Is that well, the reasoning?: Yeah, and, and you know in the U.S. is looking at four increases of yeah. interest rates in the next year, which will only put pressure on ours. and so yeah, they, they've gone from balancing the budget by 2020, I believe it was, to being 12 billion in the whole. And they actually got a surplus of 3.4 billion billion 3.2 billion last year. that was unexpected because we're in such great times right now. yeah And generally speaking, when you're in these great times, this is where you spend you don't need to spend more yeah. You know, you got the economy kicking, going pretty good. Okay, there's very low uh, unemployment right now. And this is a time where, okay, we'd like to build up the bank account, build up the war tr- chest for the next recession, because mm-hmm. there always is one, okay, and therefore they'll be ready. So c- there was very little, and I'm going to go through a couple things, but uh, I guess the biggest one was uh, two small business owners. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Okay, that was the, the large one where uh, Bill Mor- Morneau, I guess, tried to put this lead balloon out uh, back in the summertime of affecting an income sprinkling Yeah, for uh, a lot of doctors and dentists have set up uh, and a lot of business owners too for that matter, but they were kind of uh, uh, eared, geared at, at originally and they set up these holding companies, these mm-hmm. private corporations so they could throw their money into this and then pay themselves and their spouses and kids over 18. Mm-hmm. Well, they stopped the sprinkling. So if you're not involved in the business, you can't sprinkle your income. And this was stopped last year, mm-hmm. okay? So they did make that announcement. But the big one was, you know, how can you use this as a, like a lot of people accumulate wealth in there. Yeah, And this was a big one. And, and you know, he really had a tough time with this. In fact, for that matter, um, there's a conflict of interest with him, his yeah, own business. Yeah. So uh, he, uh, he found his, uh, his self in a little bit of trouble with politics at that time. But at the end of the day, there is a small business deduction. And basically, what it means in 2018, if your earnings are under, as a corporation, under 500,000 or less, mm-hmm. you will pay 10% federal um, corporate tax. Okay, the normal rate, if you're above the 500,000, is 15%. Mm-hmm. So there's this 5% reduction. Actually, it did, was announced in the budget that they would um, drop that small business deduction or small business tax rate down to 9% for 2019. Mm-hmm. So a small Um, You know, it all helps for sure. However, if you've got investments now, once you make over $50,000 in passive income, now passive income is really investment income, Mm -hmm. money that is made that is not connected to your main reason you're in business. Right. Okay. So if you're in a crane business and you've had a few good years and you've banked away a million dollars and it's earning 5%, then that's Mm $50,000. Okay. Well, allowed to make fifty thousand dollars in passive income but as soon as you make anything over that you lose five dollars of the small business deduction for every dollar of income of passive income so if you make five fifty thousand and one dollar now your small business um deduction is now four hundred uh four hundred ninety nine nine five okay yeah. you lose five dollars right. doesn't sound like much but basically it wipes yeah. out the whole small business deduction once your passive income hits one hundred fifty thousand, now this isn't going to affect many people. Mm-hmm. It's really not, because first of all, you need to have at least a million dollars sitting in your company earning five percent. Yeah. So that's not that easy to do. Make five percent. So that means you need um, three
2: million would wipe out your whole business small business deduction mm-hmm. if you're five percent. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. If you had three million, and so. For those medium-sized companies that are trying, for example, i say a crane, maybe you need a, a million dollars to mm-hmm. get new equipment. So you have to build up the bank pretty good or in order to borrow. Um, so for the medium-sized businesses, it might affect it that we're kind of falling under the small business rule. But it is interesting that they finally tra- found a, almost a compromise, I guess you will, mm-hmm. in, in terms of reducing um, the impact. And less people are complaining because most people aren't going to be affected by this. And it kind of saved his face, I guess, yeah. a little bit. But um, at the end of the day, if the small business rate is um, 10%, with the, f- with the uh, Ontario business rate, is 13.5. So if you don't have any investments in the small business and you made $500,000, there's 13.5% tax you pay. Mm. As as you so old. who?
0: What kind? Yeah, yeah, if you don't own a small business, this may mean nothing to it means you. Nothing. Yet. Right. So, uh, for a business to make five hundred thousand dollars, is that common? What size of business would that be? What that's, are you talking about that's, here? Again, that's pretty small. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, it, and, and we've got, and I've got a number of different examples and scenarios that would that would give you kind of a clue at what that might look like. And so, let's say um, if an individual owned a profitable private corporation and they earn. annually. And if they had, if they had accumulated a portfolio of $5 million inside their business, and they intend to, let's say they're just trying to pass that money on to their children, given that level of savings and level of income, they'll no longer receive any benefit from the small business deduction. So instead of paying 10% rate Mm -hmm. of tax on their business earnings, they'll be up to the 15% right right up, right out of the gate. So they'll lose the benefit. Basically they'll pay about 50% more income tax if they have a lot of other investments that are earning interest, dividends, mm-hmm. or capital gains, and as soon as that goes over 50,000 a year of, of investment earnings, yeah. you start to lose this benefit of the small business deduction.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting, and they always talk <clears> about <throat> the federal, because this was a federal budget, but that general, so the small business uh, rate, when, when you combine with the Ontario tax is 13.5, but once you get past that, and you're just in the general rate, so you no longer qualify mm-hmm. for the small business deduction, you're now at a 25% tax rate. So it's basically almost double. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the tax rate doubles once combined with the Ontario tax. Everything's always talked in the federal, where it's a 50% increase, but you add the the Ontario tax gets their share too. Now the investment income, funny enough, it is taxed at 50.17% in a corporation. Mm -hmm. So there's no real benefit for having a lot of money, earning money inside the corporation because you are paying basically half of it is going to the government. But this is where you get to try to play the game a little bit. Well, maybe you don't wanna have, maybe you can qualify for the small business deduction every few years. Because what if you put your money and you didn't put it in things that earn dividends and interest, you put in things earning capital gains. And so they average 5% a year. But you don't trigger that, you only trigger that every say four years. Right. Well, if you're going to wipe out the small business c- credit, okay, do it every few years. So you do qualify for the years you don't show an income, mm-hmm. in passive income. Mm-hmm. So you can still show the 50000 of passive income every year. And then every so often you show a large one, and you just, you just pay the general tax. Yeah. But at least, rather than not getting the small business credit every single year, you need to look at your portfolio and talk to your financial planner. Actually, our biggest accounts are actually business owners. Mm-hmm. Okay, so because there's no limit. There's a lot of people that will... You never know when you're running a business how much money you need. Yeah. Okay, changes in minimum age, wage, for example. Yeah. I talked to somebody last week. They're paying $192,000 more a year. Mm-hmm. On their it was actually 10% hit to their uh, their their employment costs. Yeah. Okay. So, well, they needed some money because they can't just raise their prices that quickly. Mm-hmm. It, it was, so they were going to have to tap into their money. So, depending on the size of the business, you have to have a slush fund. And why have it sitting in a bank account earning zero? Yeah, that's not that's not any good for you either. So, watching the type of investments you have inside your small business, if we can have it earn capital gains and you're deferring tax, mm-hmm. that will help dramatically, and you'll get your small business um, deduction for most years. Right.
2: And uh, there was a number of other. I guess, 2018 budget highlights, and some of these were continuations of previous discussions. But uh, for one was, for example, the um, Registered Disability Savings Plan. And for anybody who has either um, a child or an adult who qualifies for the Registered Disability Savings Plan. And uh, I mean, we have a client of mine who has, um, uh, she's 30 years old and she has diabetes Mm -hmm. and is on insulin all the time. And she qualifies for the uh, Registered Disability Savings Plan because she also uh, qualifies for the disability tax credit. Well, the budget, uh, when these were first set up, the, the purpose of them was to allow for additional funds to be set aside for someone who might have limited ability to earn an income mm. or uh, diminished capacity to, to earn an income. And when it came to the cognitive part, can you make um, – do you have the capacity to make financial decisions – um, the, the issues were that the legislation didn't really allow for someone to step in and create these accounts for somebody because obviously they can't sign the, p- the paperwork themselves. Right, so there was a temporary scenario where a parent uh, or a spouse or a sibling could establish one of these accounts for somebody who does have an incapacity uh, um, in terms of their um, financial knowledge, etc., capacity to make decisions. But uh, that has been extended. They haven't figured out exactly how to finalize it. But the problem was there would be so, there's so much red tape about right. appointing guardianships, and we didn't want you know the Ontario government to suddenly step in and be the guardian of all these accounts. So they've extended the, it was supposed to end in 2018. They've extended the provision to allow parents, siblings, and spouses to establish these accounts for a registered disability savings plan right through to 2022. So they'll figure out what to do in the meantime, but uh, that is one provision that was changed. Um, Something called health and welfare trusts. Pardon me. Health and welfare trusts were a, a program where a company would set up a plan and put money into it. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of the plan was to then pay for medical costs, uh, dental treatments, that type of thing, usually for a select group of employees, key key employees of a company. And really what uh, I think what the finance department was looking at is saying, you know what, these were really just um, a bit of a tax evasion that were allowing people with more Uh, with that make more money Mm -hmm. to be able to access uh, a fund to pay for their dental plans their braces and their medical costs without paying their fair share of tax so those are being wound up by the end of 2020 uh, and uh, you won't be able to use health and welfare trusts anymore as part of a funding scheme for your medical plans Tax evasion and combating tax avoidance. Well that's always a popular one.
0: are <laughs> <laughs> right?
1: spending a few extra sure. dollars on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so ninety two um, million I believe they're Is that right? Yeah, ninety two <clears throat> million they added to the forces to audit everybody and it's kind of interesting you need to do that when you're increasing tax rates a lot that's mm. right you've got to get <laughs> more of those you got to <laughs> get more people to police it that's because right. people are more incentivized exactly. to to try to evade tax yeah yeah, yeah. and they and once you get past that 50 percent, we've talked about this yeah. so mm-hmm. often mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. once you get past that glass ceiling of 50 percent mm. tax people really really get annoyed that they're getting more the government's getting more than you are yeah yeah and so there's more incentive to try to Ev- evade tax. Hmm. And again, avoid and evade, there's a big difference. We try to show people how to avoid tax. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's legal. Yeah. As long as you play the rules. But by evading tax, that kind of gets you in trouble. And eventually, uh, yeah, somebody once said the difference between avoid and evade is about 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> one thing they didn't do, funny enough, is they did not change tax brackets. Hmm. They had no problem rise, raising them a couple years ago. And I went through the history of these tax brackets in the last few years. So in 2013, the highest tax bracket w- was if you made over $509,000, you're at 46.41%. Hmm. Okay. Um, and then in 2000, sorry, it was up from 135000 to 509 Then anything over 509 they started this high bracket called a $500,000 tax bracket. And they slowly indexed that like they do with all tax brackets. So the, once you got over the 509, you're at 49.53. And so that, was oh, un,
2: that was under the Harper. That was under, under Harper. Harper.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was, that was at two, two, uh, 2013. Now in 2014 was when uh, Kathleen Wynne lowered some tax rates basically to 220. And so anything over 220,000, you're at a 49.53% tax bracket. So almost fifty percent. Wow! They basically lowered from five hundred nine <clears throat> to two twenty. Mm-hmm. See, because now you're rich. You're scooped rich.
2: At, in, you scooped in a lot more people. Like, than boy, that. I did, I had had did you
1: ever anybody in that three hundred thousand dollar area? Mm. All of a sudden, you had to pay an extra three percent. Mm. That grabbed nine grand for each of those people in that area, per person. Yeah. So then in two thousand and fifteen, there's no difference. Two thousand sixteen. That's when uh, Trudeau came out with his first one, and anything over two hundred twenty thousand was fifty three point five three. So now you got over that 50%. Now in 2017, anything over 2020, same amount. In 2018, anything over 2020, same amount. Do you notice anything here? It's the exact same number. Yeah. Every every other tax bracket is indexed. They index all the tax brackets. They're keeping this one the same. So what happens is as everybody gets it goes up by inflation. Yeah, yeah. More and more key people getting into this neck. Our
2: great-great-grandchildren will all
1: be in the 50% bracket (laughs) right from the start. (laughs) And so after after (laughs) the break, I want to show how this could affect your estate.
0: We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. 905-529-7165. Call now. Leave a message. They will return your call. We're coming back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Check out the website, andyanddon.com, and you can call now and leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. We're talking
1: about bracket creep. Yes, that's when bracket creep is when you slowly, more and more people get kind of caught in the net because they're not indexing the tax I thought you just talking about
2: March Madness or in something. In the next... <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't get it In the next tax bracket. Mm-hmm. In the next tax bracket. So... So what happened is there's this, this tax bracket, and it was uh, from about mm. one, two hundred to two hundred twenty, and it was a fifty-one point nine seven percent bracket. So there's a twenty thousand size bracket then. Well, that's gotten reduced down to fourteen thousand because if you're not moving the top one up, and all the other ones keep yeah. moving up, something's got to get smaller. Yeah. So everybody is paying about an extra one and a half percent tax because they keep not indexing the top bracket. Mm. And it kind of just hit me the other day, because I just thought, well, 220,000 is the top, top tax bracket. Well, I just realized, I kept saying that for a few years now, and normally everything is indexed. Because right. the lowest bracket mm. in the last five years, so when you start paying income tax, starts at $11,038 back in 2013. Well, that's now up to $11,810 in 2018. Right. So it's gone up by $800, where you can earn an extra 800 bucks without paying tax. So, I worked out that that works out to about 1.5% inflation, it hasn't been high inflation, so this bracket creep really hasn't hit home too much. If inflation was higher, you'd have a lot more people complaining mm. about this. Mm-hmm. But what, at the end of the day, this 220000 it really should be at 233000 right now, yeah, because they haven't indexed it, and it's working out to an extra, about $210 a year people are paying in extra tax right now. and. And I'm sure most people says, wow, those are, those are the rich people. They can afford it. They can afford the extra 210. And this is where I, you know, there's, you're almost pinning middle class against rich. Yeah. And, I and want, of course, the leaders love when you do that. Oh, they love this right now because I really would argue that 220,000 isn't rich. Mm-hmm. In fact, anybody in the U.S. can't believe when we say anything over 220 is taxed at 53.5%. Oh, yeah they can't believe that's rich like their high, t- their high bracket starts around 500 like yeah. ours used to mm-hmm. and none of them are worse than any province in canada yeah okay yeah. but anyway on a different note so if you had say joe middle class saving money in rsps all his life and him uh, his wife and him are, are working together and they got this million dollars in rsp portfolio not a ton of money anymore, mm-hmm, okay? A million dollars at 5% is 50,000 a year. Mm-hmm. So this is not uncommon to have people with a million dollars in terms of RSPs. The downside is, of course, has, you have to pay tax on this sometime. Yeah. So let's put this in a different perspective. These people are middle class, and had they died, both died in 2013, the tax on that would have been $458,000. Okay, still a ton of money. Yeah, that's after everything. You're almost giving. You're basically giving forty six percent of your money to the government if you made a million dollars. Yeah. Now here we are in two thousand and eighteen. The same people die five years later. They are now four hundred ninety eight thousand dollars. There's a forty thousand dollar difference hmm. in tax on the exact same amount of money um, five years later. And this has hit home with a few of my clients as they've unfortunately they're getting older. we've been in the business now for uh, coming up to 33 years for me, 33 already for Andy and I had a recent um, person pass away, and one work he is the, the, the husband worked at the all his life, and they get their you know their plan mm-hmm. and they had other investments, so it worked out to not quite a million dollars, but it' was a f- significant amount and here's a person that was never in a high tax bracket, but all of a sudden they now are yeah. They lost a whole lot of their money, at fifty-three and a half percent. Mm-hmm. And the way I look at it is, the heirs, the beneficiaries of this money, I'm sure they would have loved to receive that forty thousand dollars. Yeah. Because yeah. they they're not rich either. Yeah. The beneficiaries yeah. are middle class too. Yeah. But it is, it's not seeing the whole picture. And when you have politicians just saying this is hurt, this is all about we got to make the wealthy pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. These weren't rich people. Yeah. And I would argue that most people that have a lot of RSPs. They did it because they wanted to ensure their future Mm -hmm. was looked after. It's their pension fund. It's not because they're rich.
0: And again, as we've talked before with the baby boomer population making their demographic, making their way through uh, the greatest transfer of wealth, it looks like the government's poised to take a good piece of it. Yeah.
1: yeah. And this is really an estate tax. And I, I,
2: I can't agree. I mean, we need to emphasize this a lot and we'll, we should keep talking about oh, it we because will. <laughs> when we, when we do estate planning or estate planning seminars, we always talk about the little tax mm-hmm. and the big tax mm-hmm. and the little tax which gets so often gets to play here in Ontario is the probate tax mm-hmm. and it's one and a half percent. Yeah. So if you've got a million dollar estate, you know, it's $15,000. Yeah. And so the big tax, which is what Don's talking about, is the income tax that you have to pay on the gains on your portfolio or right. on your registered money, your RIFs or right. RSPs.
1: And cottages. And that's the other one right now I'm seeing a, a number of people as they're aging, they want to pass their cottages to their kids. Mm-hmm. And you're a cottage owner, Scott, you know what it's like. Yeah. and And eventually you say, well, maybe your kids would like to do this. Well, it, it gets difficult. And if they wait till the last minute, mm-hmm they have to, it triggers all one year the tax. Yeah. And it, you have to plan this ahead of time because you can spread a cottage over five years. Mm-hmm. So I'm working with a client actually this week about spreading the cottage, um, the capital gain over five years so that the parents who own the cottage don't get dinged with a big tax bill in one year. Yeah. Because otherwise, if they wait to the last minute, they will be paying 53.5% tax on their estate. And in this case, literally, like a million dollars of income in the year of death works up to 498. Let's, let's just call it 500,000. Half right. your money is going to the government. Unbelievable. We are planning your financial
0: future. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services, Inc. Call now, leave a message. They will return your call at 905-529-7165. That's 905-529-7165. And don't forget to check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's Don all one word, dot com. You can listen to old archive shows there and even ask a question via the listener inquiry button. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. Scott Thompson, Andy Lister, and Don Fox are here from Investors Group Financial Services Inc. You can call them now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905 529 7165 and take a peek at the website, andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. Talking about Canada Pension Canada Plan. Canada Pension Plan. The
2: first, one of the first calls I got when I got back from holidays this week was about Canada. I thought it would be an RSP question, but yeah. <laughs> it was a Canada Pension Plan question. And uh, a longtime client who's now 60. And her husband is 65 and she said I can you remind me again why you told me I should wait till 65 yeah. and I said why well we, you know we, that was part of our our plan and uh, she said well I everybody I talk to says I'm crazy not taking it now at age 60 they're all taking it at age mm-hmm. 60 and I feel like I'm I'm missing, I'm missing something. So just, can you refresh my memory? Like, why are we doing this? And, uh, and so we, but we also had a little discussion about, well, who's telling you that you should be taking it and think about their financial situation and why they're taking it. Yeah. And she said, oh, okay. I never really thought about that. And she said, well, you know, are they people that have lots of money and have no worries at the end of the month? Is there enough money available? Or are they people that were always struggling financially and need the money? just to make, make do every month. And she said, well, probably a little more towards the latter for sure. So their motivation was not necessarily about, you know, maximizing the benefit. It was, they simply needed it to to make, to make ends meet. Uh, So that added one piece of perspective to it, but there's sort of three general issues that we talk about, but health is number one. Number two is, do you need the money? Mm -hmm. And number three, are you single or a spouse? Do you have a spouse as well that qualifies for Canada Pension Plan? But a little bit of research uh, tells us that today, the maximum Canada Pension Plan per year is $13,610. And what percentage of Canadians do you think get the maximum Canada Pension Plan payment? I'm not talking about you know starting it early at oh, age okay. sixty. So if you're sixty five, right. looked at all those that are sixty-five today, how many of them are eligible for the maximum?
0: I would say half anyway, no? 6%. <laughs> only
2: not six percent. I'm not even close.
0: <laughs> only six <laughs> percent. So, so you're much optimistic for, though. <laughs> so much for yeah, my like st- <laughs> so much for my stellar record. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, only
2: six percent of Canadians are receiving the maximum, and the average uh, is seventy seven hundred dollars. Right. So thirteen thousand six hundred. Now these are the three max.
0: deductions, clawbacks.
2: Uh, no, this is basically that people who have missed out in terms of maximizing what they can get from Canada Pension Plan, because you have to make enough income every year Mm -hmm. uh, and you have to do it for 39 years. And Mm -hmm. this
1: year, I think the uh, limit, you need to make about mm -hmm. $55,000 in order to contribute your maximum to the CPP. Right. So
2: let's say you had years where, uh, or you changed jobs, maybe you had periods of self-employment or commission incomes where your income was low at certain times throughout the year, Uh, maybe you uh, uh, took time off uh, raising a family. You're not going to get, you get some credit for that, but mm-hmm. but not enough. Uh, but basically, you know, at the end of the day, um, very few of us end up getting the maximum Canada pension plan. Mm. Uh, the best thing to do, and from a financial planning standpoint, Don and I really encourage people to get that real number because mm-hmm. a default is whenever you're looking at Financial planning software—they give you thirteen thousand six hundred dollars, the maximum, and everybody goes, "Oh, $13,600, Plug that in;
1: I mean, things look pretty good. Ninety-four percent of the plans are now wrong.
2: Exactly, ninety-four <laughs> percent are wrong because six—only six percent get it. Uh, so, Canada Pension Plan, and then for, so for her, we began to look at and break it down a bit. So, health-wise, she did have—she does have diabetes type one diabetes, type two diabetes. So she's controlling it with diet and, uh, and medication. And I ask her, one thing I always want to know is if your medication changed or are you stable? No, her medication has been the same for five years and, uh, and so she's generally controlling it through Mm -hmm. her diet. Uh, so that will have some impact. And then, um, the second thing is, do you have a spouse who perhaps will receive or could receive canopensia plan? In this case, her husband, uh, is 65 and is taking Canada Pension Plan, so he's already getting it. Now, men don't, don't usually don't live as long as women. Mm-hmm. Uh, her health situation might equalize that out a little bit more, but uh, quite often a strategy is one spouse could start early mm-hmm. and one spouse could defer right. and take it later and get right. a higher payout. And usually men might start earlier mm-hmm, in right. case of that crossover, they might die earlier. Women might take it later on. Um, and then the second thing I said, do you need the money? Then I knew she didn't need the money because we had no debts at this point. Uh, They live a reasonable lifestyle. Uh, Their income exceeds their expenses. So Mm -hmm. there's money left over every month. And she said, no, we don't need the money. And uh, so really all it is is you're feeling peer pressure.
0: Right. Peer
2: pressure from all your friends Mm -hmm. that somehow you're missing out. So we worked out the numbers, her break-even point if she started it now versus age 65 is going to be around 72. And I know Don was talking to me earlier about some of the stats Mm -hmm. in terms of the break even point as well.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because they actually had a website I was on and it shows, okay, the break even point is 72, 74, whatever. I looked at age 74 and for men, the chance of living, if you're 60 now, the chance of living to 74 was 83% past Mm -hmm. that point. Right. And for women, it's 86% would live past the age of 74. So those people that are deciding, I'm going to get my um, can of pension while I can, because I want to know. You never know how I'm going to live. Yeah. You're basically betting at the 15% level. There's mm-hmm. only a 15% chance you're going to be right. right. You're going to you're betting you're going to die before 74. That's right. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, good point. 85% of the time you're going to live past that point, and <laughs> therefore all those contributions you made. Um, would exceed, you'd get far more by waiting. And it's always interesting, one other factor I often look at Andy is, how long did your parents live? True. Mm. Okay, Mm. it's no guarantee, but uh, quite often we always find out, yeah, you know, my mother's right now, she's 89, and she's actually doing okay. Oh yeah, my dad lived to 95. Says, you're kidding me. Well, and I actually worked out, if somebody lived to 95, do you know how much money worked up to more than $100,000, you'd get more out of your Canada Pension Plan, just by waiting to age 65 rather than 60. We have been planning your financial future. Andy
0: Lister and Don Fox have been here from Investors Group Financial Services Inc. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website andyanddon.com. That's AndyandDon.com. You can listen to old archive shows there and ask a question via the listener inquiry button. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great Thanks, week. Scott. Thanks, Scott.